0: Well, good morning, um, I love that song. In uh, Searching for God Knows What, Donald, Milder, or Donald Miller uh, tells of a lecture delivered to students at a Christian college, and he began by telling them he was going to present the gospel, but he was going to leave out one important element. He described the rampant sin that, that plagued our culture. Homosexuality, abortion, drug use, song lyrics on the radio, newspaper headlines, and, and so on. And he said that the wages of sin is death. He talked about teen pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, and all the supporting statistics. And he described how the way, or he described the way how sin separates us from God. He spoke of the beauty of of morality, telling stories, citing examples of how righteous living was better. He detailed the greatness of heaven. He spoke of repentance and how their lives could be God-honoring and and God-centered. In describing what happened when he finished the lecture, Miller writes, I rested my case and asked the class if they could tell me what I had left out of the gospel presentation. Not a single hand was raised. I presented a gospel to Christian Bible college students and left out Jesus. And no one noticed. To a culture that believes they can go to heaven based on whether or not they are morally pure or that they understand some theological idea, he says, or that they are very spiritual, Jesus is completely unnecessary. At best, he's an afterthought, a techni- technicality by which we become morally pure, or a subject of which we know, or a founding father of our—these are his words—woo-woo spirituality. <laughs> so, can can we have true faith without Jesus Christ? That's that's the question, and this this sermon is about faith. And I was I was thinking this morning, maybe a better. Um, Title would have been uh, "Faith is is the victory," but our title is uh, "True Faith." In our text is First John five one through five. You know, last Easter Sunday we celebrated the resurrection of of the living Christ, uh, the the Son of God. You know, and Easter isn't just some nice story that we tell where you know we think the good guys died and in the end though he's he's alive after all you know we chris and i saw a movie a few weeks ago where that where that happened one of the characters was was shot multiple times and it was it's clear that he was dead he he fell through the window and there's blood all over the place you know he was he was a goner but then at the very end of the movie you see this guy he's he's sitting on a beach uh Enjoying some some beverage, i don 't know what it was, but he was there lounging on the beach, still alive, and you go, "Wow, boy, that sure took me by surprise." And this is not what happened with Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is so much more than that. the story of, of his res- resurrection is more than that. He did die. Jesus did die, and after three days he was resurrected. And the resurrection has has eternal consequences for all of us. You know, Jesus Christ, he did not cheat death. He defeated death so that we might not perish, but that we might live eternally in him. And so the Easter story is a story of, of one who was sent for this very purpose. You know, that those who believe in him, those who put their faith in him, We'll have this life, this eternal life through through Him, through Jesus Christ. We have victory over death, and uh, you know we, we sing that song sometimes. Faith is is the victory, and it, that song was taken from from this passage, by the way. And this passage begins with faith, and it ends with faith. So here's the question: How is our faith? How is our faith? How does faith fit in with the gospel and you know, what part does it play in our, our daily walk, our daily lives living as Christians? How does faith fit in? So read with me uh, in your Bibles, John, 1, or 1, John 5, 1 John 5, starting with verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Lord we uh, we thank you for your word. This is such an encouraging uh passage, Lord, and uh, we we're, we're just reminded that uh we need you, Lord. Uh, we 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 can't do this without you. Our our faith in you is crucial. Lord, we're we're saved by grace through faith. We you you say that the the righteous will will live by faith, and you say that uh our victory is is faith, and so Lord, teach us today from, from your Word. Teach us what what we need to to hear, Lord. Open our hearts, open our our eyes and and our ears to to hear from you. In Jesus name. So where does faith fit in? And I, I'd like to. Um, Talk about faith, three, three facets that I think that John presents here, three facets of, of true faith. First is uh, saving faith, you know, faith as, as a condition for, for our new birth. Second is demonstrated faith, you know, faith, how, how is faith lived out? How, how, how is it indicated in the way we live that, that we have this, this faith? And third, victorious faith. You know, the, the, the result of true faith is, is vital in our, our day-to-day lives as, as children of God. As we encounter life's challenges, as, as we fight life's battles, you know, we're, we're promised that this faith that we have in Jesus Christ is going to secure victory for us. And so I'd like to organize this sermon along those three points faith as a condition of our new birth faith as an indi- indicator of our uh, spiritual heritage and faith as a necessity for living the Christian life. So first saving faith. You know let's let's start out by looking at our terminology in the New Testament we see this this word faith and we also see the word believe or belief and when you hear those two words you're you're essentially talking about the same Thing, You know, the, the word uh, believe in the original language, uh, pisteo, uh, it, it's a verb meaning to believe, to trust, to have confidence in something or someone. And the word for faith is, is similar. It's, it's from the same root, pistis, which is in this context a noun. It's the state of believing on the basis of the reliability of the one trusted. Trust, confidence. You know, we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Our our faith is in him. Our confidence and trust is in him. Jesus, or excuse me, John speaks of of this saving faith in in verse 1. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And we we know this from John 3.16, right? Right? God God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and also you know we've in this book we've we've looked at this first john in, in the very first chapter one chapter one verse twelve, says that all who did receive him who believed in his name. He gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Believe in Jesus. Faith. Theologian Alistair McGrath uh, outlines the uh, the three stages of, of receiving Christ, what he did for us on the cross. First, he says, I may believe that God is promising me forgiveness of my sins, Second, I may trust that promise, but third, unless I respond to that promise, I won't receive forgiveness. The first two stages of faith prepare the way for the third. And without that, it's incomplete. And he illustrates this uh, he illustrates these three stages with, with the following story. He says, "Consider a bottle of penicillin." You know, the famous antibiotic identified by Alexander Fleming, and it was first produced for clinical use in Great Britain. The drug is responsible for saving the lives of countless individuals who otherwise would have died of various forms of blood poisoning. He says, think of the three stages of faith like this. I may accept that the bottle exists... I may trust in its ability to cure blood poisoning, but nothing will change unless I receive the drug which it contains. I must allow it to destroy the bacteria which are slowly killing me, otherwise I will not have benefited from my faith in it. And he says it's the third element of faith, this third element of faith which is of vital importance in making sense of the cross. Just as faith links the bottle of penicillin to cure the blood poisoning, so faith forges a link between the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and ourselves. Faith unites us with the risen Christ and makes available to us everything he gained through his obedience and his resurrection. So, when we're born again, when we're saved by Jesus's redeeming work, you know we're we're we aren't just saved as a a ticket to heaven, you know Willy Wonka golden ticket to to heaven. That's that's not why we're saved. It's part of it, but our eternal life begins when we believe in Jesus and our faith is what sustains us daily as as we live as we walk as as Christians. So uh number 2 is is demonstrated faith. And I like us to be reminded of why John wrote this letter. This this kind of goes along with what uh, Dan was saying early earlier at the end of this uh, this letter in, in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. He's talking about assurance that you may know. He's writing to, to believers. This is a, a book of assurance. It's, it's assurance for those who have embraced Jesus Christ as, as their Savior and what it means to uh, genuinely believe in him. And walk with him as as a disciple. As we learn from him, it means it, it it means to truly follow Jesus. And this, you know, this book should be disturbing for those who are not true believers. For those who do not have a true faith, it should be unsettling for 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 those who don't have a a, a relationship with him of faith. You know, so, such a person's going to want to go elsewhere and hear something more. More comforting, something less offensive. I saw an I saw an interview. Uh, Larry King was interviewing uh, this this pastor in Houston. This pastor is hailed as the most watched inspirational figure in America. He's the pastor of this huge mega church in in Houston. It's the the largest church in America, uh, sixteen thousand seats. He's watched by 10 million viewers, and his books have been on the New York Times bestseller list. And his message is very upbeat and encouraging. Larry King asked him, he said, why, why don't you ever talk about sin? That's something I've noticed. And he answered, well, he, he doesn't talk about sin, and this, this is his quote, because people are beaten down enough during the week They don't want to come to church and hear about sin. He said, I don't use the word sinner because I don't even think about it. People don't need to hear about it, he says. But he's got a huge following. Very successful church. Well, the thing is, we do need to be encouraged, but encouraging... Encouragement, true encouragement that's going to do us any good as Christians is going to come from the fact that Jesus came to save us from our sins. Our victory comes from him, not from some trumped up view of ourselves that says, hey, we're good, we're all right. We can do it. You know, we we have the power within ourselves. How many times have you heard that message? That's not genuine Christianity. That is not true faith. What are the indicators of, of this true faith that John gives us here? There's, there's three things. They're belief, love, and obedience. And John has already talked about these things several times up to this point. You know, belief, we... We run the risk of believing the wrong things. Even, at, even as believers, even as Christians, we we sometimes think wrongly. Our thinking can be wrong thinking. You know, how we live affects our true beliefs. What we believe affects how we live. It's this, this vicious cycle. You know, one of the um, things that we need to look at is, What do we think about God? A.W. Tozer said that the most... Here's what he says. Here's the quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me repeat that. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God he goes on to say for this reason the gravest question before the church is always god himself and the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do but what he is in his let's see but what he in his deep heart conceives god to be like we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of god this is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most re- revealing thing about the church is her idea of God, just as her most significant message is what she says about him, or leaves unsaid, for her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. So who do we say Christ is? Who do we say Jesus Christ is? You know, the, uh, the Christian faith stands on certain distinctive content we've talked about this a little bit our our faith the christian faith is a confessional faith you know what what elements do we uphold there's some pretty key things you know jesus is the christ he he is the son of god He's co-eternal with with the Father. He was and he is who he said he is. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to give us abundant life. He was fully man and he's fully God. You know, we, uh, we believe in the historic Jesus of Nazareth He was born, he lived among us, he rose from the dead, he ascended, he gave us the the promised Holy Spirit. Remember, Remember the beginning of this letter, that which was from the beginning, and he's talking about Jesus Christ here. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. John says, We were there. And this apostolic teaching is based on Jesus' encounter on earth with these apostles keeping you know this is this is in keeping with what paul says in second uh, corinthians 13:5 you know the, uh, the 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 body of our beliefs the the content of of our beliefs we we refer to that as as the christian faith paul says examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith you know it's good for us to Examine our thoughts, are we being true to the scripture? Are we being true to god 's word? He says, "Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourself that Christ Jesus is in you unless you indeed fail to meet the test? So our belief our what we think is a measure it 's an indicator of, of true faith second is is love. <laughs> John John has been uh, pounding this drum, been beating this drum the whole letter, hasn't he? He says everyone who loves the Father loves who those who have been born to Him. If we love the Father, we must love His children. Um, I. I suppose if you came to me and said, you know, I, I really care for you a lot. I, I just love you so much, but, you know, I hate your children. I don't think I'd think too highly of that person. <laughs> God has many children, many, many children. To love him or to love Jesus demands that we love his children. And if we don't have love for others, we don't have God. John says if we say that we love God and we we hate our brother, we're liars. We're nothing. Well, the third indicator of true faith is obedience. Uh, Starting with verse 2, he says, By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. If we love God, we are... Going to want to please him. We're going to we're going to want to do what what he tells us to do. Jesus himself said this. He said, "If you love me, keep my commandments." And um, we won't belabor this. John John's already mentioned this several times in this letter, but you know it, it uh, serves us well to point out that if we are in rebellion against God and going against His will, going our own way, something's amiss. Something's wrong. And if that's the case, really our faith is dead. Our faith is dead. We don't have true faith if we're disobedient to the Lord. That's what John's saying here. We well, you know, God doesn't set these things before us to uh, belittle us or to, to slam us or to just, you know, make us feel horrible about ourselves. Uh, but, but for our own good, this is for our own good. It's his desire that our faith is... Number three, victorious faith. He desires for us to be victorious in the Christian life. Number four, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. John's talking about victorious living. Everyone who has been born of God has experienced saving faith in the Savior. Overcomes the world. This this word world comes from the Greek word cosmos. And uh, we we talked about that in John 2. Remember? The world. The cosmos is uh, the system that ends up being mankind organized in rebellion against God, organized under the power of evil. You know, the the world is a place that is in desperate need of, of God's redemption, God's restoration. God's salvation. Yeah, remember from chapter 2, what did, what did John say? He said, don't love the world. 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with all its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. John says this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except one the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? you know who does not want to live a victorious Christian life? Okay, I didn't see any hands go up. you know too often we though succumb to the things of the world these these things that John talks about the you know in, in the King James version it's it's the lust of the flesh, you know the things that that feel good, the lust of the eyes, the things that we see and we want, and we covet, and we can't have it, but we want it, and we just have this overpowering sense of i've got to have it, and the pride of life, the pride of life the the arrogance that we are all guilty of, we succumb to these things we're we're apt to live defeated lives though when we Love the world. When we take our eyes off Jesus, when we live in a way that is not believing in Him and looking to Him and having faith in Him, it's our faith in Jesus who gives us the victory. You know, we He, he many times just takes us to that point where we're at the end of ourselves. We realize I. I realize I cannot do this, Lord. I need you. I need you. Do you remember when the Israelites were about to go into the promised land? Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8. Moses is talking to uh, Joshua. 31, 7 through 8, Deuteronomy. Moses summoned Joshua and he said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. You shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall take possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. He's saying, I'm going to fight this battle for you. I'm going to go before you. You are going to overcome because, he says, I will overcome. Jesus himself said, I have overcome the world. We just heard that verse this morning earlier. Jesus said, I have overcome the world and we're in him. Proverbs 21.31 says, the horse is made ready for the battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. This is the key. The victory belongs to the Lord. Now looking Looking at these words, uh, the, the word for overcome uh, and the word for victory are very close, same root. Uh, overcome, nikaō—that's to win in the face of obstacles, to to be a victor, to conquer, to to overcome, to prevail. And that's nikaō. Victory is nike. It's the means for winning a victory. The word Paul or John uses right here is saying that. It's the means of winning a victory. This, this word is, is often used in, in uh, ancient Greek literature to talk about emperors who've been victorious in, in battle. So where, where does this fit in? Where does, where does faith fit into this? Ephesians 6.16, you know, when Paul is, talk, or, yeah, Paul is talking about uh, standing firm and putting on the whole armor of God, what is the shield? The shield of faith. Verse 16, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It ever seemed that way that you have flaming darts being shot at you? That shield of faith is our victory. God has, himself has, has equipped us with that shield, you know by by faith we can stand firm to you know before the enemy in, in battle, God equips us uh, you know there's also an eschatological element of, of victorious faith if we look in first corinthians fifteen fifty through fifty seven Paul says, "I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit." And the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Listen to this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we who have been born of the Spirit, saved by grace through faith, will ultimately experience victory over, over death. Verse 5 of, of John 5, who is it who over, that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Saving faith, true faith, Demonstratable faith, victorious faith, is faith in Jesus. He's the one who has overcome the world. It's faith that results in being in him, relying on him, not relying on ourselves. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. A Christless faith is a worthless faith. So, faith is the victory. so we we believe you know not not just in a body of doctrine though it's important what we believe you know many people believe in many different things uh, many people have faith in the wrong things and of course that faith isn't of, of much value but the most important thing is who we believe in we believe in Jesus who came to save us we're we're saved by grace through faith. Sometimes people get this backwards. I, hear, I sometimes hear this, this verse quoted. People will say, We're saved by faith through grace. No, it says something completely different. That's backwards. We're saved by grace through faith. It's His grace that saves us. That's saving faith. And our faith needs to be evident in how we live. You know, do do we love? Our our love for God necessitates our our love for his children. Our love for God necessitates our obedience to God. This is demonstrable faith. It's, it's, It's faith in action. And finally, true faith will result in victorious living. Our faith should result in overcoming the world. This is victorious faith. Let's pray. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, by your Holy Spirit, we, we come to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the, the cross where you, uh, where you secured our salvation, where God was working to reconcile the world Lord, your your uh, word says that, uh, that the righteous will live by faith. Uh, may we, may we, Lord, be obedient to your word. May we be obedient to your command to love one another. Lord, we we thank you for the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the union we we have with you. For you are are the victorious one, and and we are in you. Uh, Lord, we just praise you. We lift your name. And it's in that name, the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.